Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and we have got a fantastic episode of the CEO story today. We have got Brady Morgan, who is the CEO at Virtual Assistant Staffing Agency. Brady, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Good, Casey. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, fantastic. I'm looking forward to digging into this one. So can you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and Virtual Assistant Staffing Agency? Yeah, absolutely. So I got started in my entrepreneurial journey about 15 months ago. And I started with a podcast. I know you have a podcast. And the reason I started with the podcast is I, I knew I wanted to be my own boss. I just didn't really know how. You know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew there are opportunities out there, but I just didn't know what am I going to do to actually become my own boss. So I started a podcast because I feel like it's such a low barrier to entry. Everyone has their own message. It initially started, and you'll love this, talking about uh, me and my wife's journey to financial freedom, talking about debt, talking about uh, insurance, paying off whatever, budgeting, all that good stuff. But then I was like, you know, it's kind of boring talking about stuff like this, <laughs> you know, episode after episode. So I was interviewing entrepreneurs at the time, but I was always asking questions about personal finance. And I came to realization, you know, these are business owners. They don't care to really talk about finance. They want to talk about their businesses. They want to talk about what's working, what's not working. So that's when I started honing in completely on that, talking about their entrepreneurial journey, with struggles and successes. And about three months ago, I actually rebranded to what it's called today, which is entrepreneurism. It was called Budget Trek before. So like a journey slash trek with the budget. So now it's entrepreneurism, three episodes a week, interviewing a lot of high-level entrepreneurs. But at the beginning of COVID, I was a financial analyst at a major healthcare facility here in Nashville. And I was trying to make a transition from that to a sales job. Again, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know how to start my own business. I knew sales was kind of being your own boss, but still Why under the corporate ladder. Why did you pivot to sales? Like if you could financial analyst, pretty steady, yep. you know, um, not so exciting, but very steady at least. Right. Right. Sales is not steady. No, it's not. This job right here had still had a base salary, a pretty good base salary along with commission. And it was my, it was my, my mindset of like, you know, still want to be under the comfortable corporate ladder, but still want to kind of be my own boss to a degree. Still want to be in charge of my, my income. Cause a financial analyst, it's great. It's steady, but it doesn't matter how hard you work. You're going to move up when you move up. And that could be years down the road, but thankfully COVID happened. And I know that's kind of a backwards way of saying it, but I didn't get the sales job. I didn't get any job because COVID happened. No one could afford to really hire an employee at that point. So I was unemployed. So I said, okay, maybe this is the kick in the ass I needed to actually start my own business. So I started financial automation, which was essentially just us being other business owners, digital CFO. And I know you know a lot about that, but we were going to do it primarily through software and just automations and stuff like that. And I don't know if it's because of the way we marketed it. Maybe it was because it was COVID or maybe just the business model itself the way that we were presenting that, it didn't work out, but I learned a lot from that. But within that, I guess, company is what sparked the opportunity of a virtual assistant placement agency. And the reason why is because we had a virtual assistant in the very beginning and she was really, really sweet and really nice. But unfortunately that doesn't mean she's productive and efficient within your business. So we actually ended up firing her before we fired her. We hired another virtual assistant who was incredible. And I was like, you know, it's crazy how this person is incredible and this person is not. I can almost guarantee that we could find a lot more people like this incredible VA and place them and make the vetting process that much better. 
So financial automation disbanded. We started virtual assistant staffing agency, and that's where we're at today, constantly trying to improve the experience, not only for the, our clients, but also for the virtual assistants to make sure that you actually find your forever employee. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. I, I love the concept as well because it's taken that whole remote global workforce and it's given it to people who need it the most and it's benefited exactly. as well. So it's, uh, it's very, very valuable. So I'm glad you stumbled upon that. That's uh, a fresh <laughs> story to get there. Uh, and why don't you tell us a little bit about how you grow in that company right now? Yeah, absolutely. So in the beginning, you know, I think with any business, a lot of people try to grow them too quickly. I do think you can scale too quickly and you can try to do too many things at once. And as a result, nothing really gets finished. So in the very beginning, we were trying to automate the entire process, right? Without us really understanding what's happening behind the scenes. So we were trying to remove ourselves as much as possible. But I think when you try to remove yourself as much as possible in the beginning, you don't see the things that aren't working and you don't see what could be better. So in the beginning, our virtual assistants hiring manager was interviewing every single person just face to face. And I said, this is fine because it's helping us understand the questions to ask. Right. But then we asked ourselves the question, okay, we haven't scaled yet, but what happens when we have a hundred different applicants? Is she just going to interview every single one of them? No, there's no way. I mean, yeah, it's possible, but then who's going to do all the other work? We're going to have to keep hiring people and that's great, but it's not efficient. So then we switched the model to, okay, Instead of her interviewing everyone, we're going to make them submit a video recording of them interviewing themselves. And that does four things for us, Casey. The first one being helps us see their level of English, how well they can speak it. Second one, they can actually talk around what they say they're good at. And the reason that the, the reason for that is because if someone says they're good at lead generation, if I'm interviewing you, I can kind of lead you down a path to where you can kind of bullshit your way around talking about lead generation, but if you're recording a video by yourself, trying to talk about a topic that you don't know anything about, it's going to be obvious, right? Third thing, I want to see they can follow directions. And the fourth thing, it's harder for them to record a video of themselves and submit it than it is for them to actually hop on a zoom call and be interviewed by somebody else. So it shows they're willing to go the extra mile, but that's how we grew. That little section is now instead of interviewing everyone and wasting her time, the only people that are submitting interviews to us are the only ones that we actually want to place, right? So the applicant side has grown tremendously. Now the client side, right? It's like, okay, how can we make the client feel better about their, their hire, right? I mean, can you go to Fiverr? Can you go to Upwork? Can you go to online jobs and find a virtual assistant? Absolutely. You can absolutely do that. And it's cheaper than what we charge. But are you vetting them as hard as we vet them? Probably not. So how can we sell it to them in a way that's saying, hey, yes, we're more expensive, but how much time are we saving you as a result? So not only have we implemented the interview process and we're able to interview tons of applicants as a result, but we actually have a proprietary grading system now within our project manager. So once they submit their interview, our hiring manager, instead of interviewing every single person, all she does is watch the interview recordings, which is a, probably 10 to 15% of the actual applicants, which is crazy to me that people will actually apply and not submit an interview because they're, it's, it's hard, I guess. But now she watches the interviews and grades them. And that interview is worth 70% of the total grade. The other 30% is actually within the application itself. And it's an English proficiency test. This English proficiency test is 20 questions. The first 15 is probably stuff we learned in middle school or high school. It's simply just filling in the blank to make this sentence make sense, right? From an English perspective. The last five questions is me 
reading a short story, asking a question, and then answering a question based off what I asked. Now, that does two things for us. It shows us that they can read it, and it shows us that they can actually listen and answer the questions correctly. And then mind you, in the interview, we're making sure they can actually speak it as well. So the English portion is really, really important to us, but that English proficiency test is 30% of the overall grade. So now when we're placing these virtual assistants for our clients, we can say, hey, we actually have the highest graded applicant for you and we have proof of it. So that's how we've been able to grow is just making that vetting process that much more robust to make the client feel better about their hire. Fantastic. I love it. That sounds amazing. I love technology the best of times. So this is like taking some industry that has predominantly just been kind of a pass off industry just to get money in and actually quantifying it and making it more scientific and systematic. So I really like that. Absolutely. Uh, a little bit about how you've grown the organization, especially, you know, at the startup phase, like you say, at the beginning when there's just so many things going on, how, how have you really honed down on your team, your, your situation, kind of building that culture resilience through your business? Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially during COVID, uh, you know, we're, we're not cheap. Our placement fee is not cheap for a lot of people but we are promising a forever employee that's going to be around $4 an hour. But it's that first step, that first hurdle of getting them to make that investment in themselves, especially during a time like COVID where people are so scared to spend money. I don't know if you've dealt with that within your own business, but people are just reluctant to pass that money from them to you because they don't know what's going to happen in the future. If they're even going to have a business in a few months, but in order for us to grow, right, it's, it's really being transparent with them as well. And something that we've implemented to be able to grow and break down that barrier to entry was just a simple tweak and it was offering payment plans. Now we charge $1,500 up front. That might not be a lot of money for a lot of people, but for also a lot of people that is a lot of money. So me and you know the power of finance and the power of money today versus tomorrow. And a lot of people don't want to give up their capital because they might need it for something else. So we say, Hey, that's fine. I'm not going to prevent you from getting a virtual assistant just because you don't have the money. We're going to have payment plans and we're going to do it as simple as like, Hey, we can break it up over 52 weeks if we have to, just to make sure that you're happy and you're keeping your capital and that this relationship is actually efficient and effective for you. So that's the one side of how we've grown on the client side and how we've actually pushed past the obstacles as a team to be able to come up with these payment plans. Now within, right? I think, you know, we're all doing different things outside of the virtual assistant staffing agency. I'm, I'm the CEO, so I'm more ingrained in it than the others. But it's really understanding of, you know, th this is not just a, a pass of money from one person to another. This is an actual change within somebody's business. We're helping them scale, right? We're giving them time back. So how can we ourselves be committed to that, right? And every single person we talk to really just have this perception of we want to help you right? There's a lot of coaches out there. And I'm sure you know this, especially on social media who are full of shit and who charge a lot of money and they don't really have any results. And they say they know how to do something they don't. And they over promise and under deliver. And that is the biggest issue with today's online business space is over promising and under delivering. It's really, really easy to do that. So we as a team and the culture are all about how can we promise them the least amount as possible, right? And we do that through the vetting process and just over deliver tremendously, give them as much as we can. And no idea is done within our culture. And I think that's, that's something that every culture should have. It doesn't matter how far off your idea is. 
as long as it proves that you're actually trying to make the experience for the clients better and maybe even for the applicants. So for the applicants right now, something we're, we're working on and we're launching soon is actually creating an entire virtual assistant university. So we, we hire for seven core areas and I have them memorized because they're in alphabetical order. It's easier for me that way, but it's administrative assistance, bookkeeping, cold calling, content creation, data entry, lead generation, and social media management. And actually creating a virtual assistant university around all seven core areas and not only teaching them how to do it, but teaching them how they can deploy those skills within these people's businesses. Because a lot of people will say, yeah, I need a cold caller. And then you hire one for them and they say, well, what, what do I do next? You know, so actually teaching them how to utilize the skill set within your business, having all those positions sounds great, but you having a team as well, you know, when you have an employee that has nothing to do or when you don't know how to train your employee, that's annoying and kind of stressful. So that is what we're working on now to make it that much better and going to help us grow that much more. Perfect. Wow. That sounds fantastic. I love the way you broke things out and kind of made it really simple for people to to start, take action, and kind of grow their businesses. So tell me a little bit about the ups and downs that you've had along the way to get here. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the biggest down, I would say, would be financial automation. You know, that was my entryway. Podcast was my entryway into the entrepreneur world. Financial automation was really my entryway into just owning my own business. You know, and a lot of people, especially me, you know, you have all these great ideas and you're like, this is going to be so easy. The market's going to flock to it, but there's so much other stuff behind the scenes that you just don't, you can't see from the service, right? until you really dig in something as something as simple as like setting up an email for yourself. You know, it's not a hard thing to do, but you gotta know how to do it. You know, doing email campaigns, funnels, ads, stuff like that. You know, it's, it's tough. So financial automation was really my way of just becoming familiar with all of that stuff. There's so much to it and by no means am I an expert to it, but I failed so much trying to learn this stuff that now that with financial or, or virtual assistant staffing agency, you know, it's a lot easier to deploy, but you know, it, I think it's easy too if we get to the mindset of it, right? I think as entrepreneurs, we're, we all have an ego, right? We wouldn't start a business if we didn't think we could succeed in it, right? And I think that's an ego thing you know, and, and it's good to have confidence that way. But I'd be lying if I said that the failure of financial automation did not hurt my confidence because it did. If I'm thinking, you know, my first business didn't work, what's making me think my second business is going to work? But the more I read and the more I listen to videos and podcasts and stuff, they say success is often on the other time of or on the other side of failure. Yep. And a lot of people will stop at that first failure. So that, you know, your previous question was talking about resilience. And that's something I talk about a lot is resilience, pushing past the things that suck, right? Pushing past the things that don't work and how figuring you, out a way around it. How do you keep, you know, there's a lot of people that are going to resonate with that message, right? One of the things I always kind of quote is a John Maxwell phrase that fail forward, fail faster. Mm -hmm. So the quicker you fail, the more likely you are to get to that next success, right? People normally stop, but don't keep failing. And the more you fail, the faster you fail, the quicker you get there. How do you keep your mind strong enough to keep doing that? You know, that's, uh, that, I mean, I don't know, to be completely honest. I think it's one of those things that the more you experience failure and the more you experience success as a result, the easier it is to deal with failure, right? I think in the beginning, people who haven't experienced failure, 
It's just, you know, telling yourself, right? I have to keep going. And, and I think that's with anything, right? It, it, think about like running, right? Yesterday, for instance, and this is a good example, I haven't worked out in a few weeks and I've been getting, you know, kind of out of shape. And I ran yesterday a mile and a half and I was at 0.75 of a mile and I wanted to quit. But I told myself, you just got to keep going because eventually it's going to get better and you're going to finish. You're going to feel better as a result. So I think it's the same with failure and entrepreneurship, right? It sucks. And you can almost see that failure is coming. It just hasn't come yet, you know? So, but it's one of those things that just keep going, keep pushing. You can get past it and get past the pain of it. And you're going to feel way better as a result. So failing forward is, is awesome. And failing fast is awesome. But a lot of people try to shy away from failure and do everything perfect. But when you do everything perfect, you don't move anywhere, right? You have to have that imperfect action to figure out, Hey, this business model is great, but what's not working and, or what's not going to work of the ideas that I have in my head to actually push this forward. Because a lot of business models people have aren't good. They're not good and, and they're not, they're not, uh, they're not strong. They don't have a strong foundation, but you don't know that unless you fail. Right. So it's just really getting that feedback and, and having positive feedback as a result. Yeah. There's one good phrase that I've heard is the perfection is the enemy of action. Mm -hmm. You just paralyze yourself trying to be perfect and never really finish the task because it's got to be perfect. You've got to be able to kind of let things go that aren't hundred percent and accept that and get more done rather than just be focused on that one thing forever and leave everything else undone. Exactly. Exactly. So as we wrap up, I'd like to end with, uh, with one question. If you had to attribute your success through three factors being drive, skill, and luck, how would you apportion uh, your success between those three? So my, my own unique three or those three you, you described? The three that I described. Can you say them again? <laughs> drive, skill, and luck. I would say drive comes down to the resilience factor, right? Your drive to be your own version of success or your drive to reach your own potential. And I think the drive is what's really going to get you around those obstacles, right? You're not going to let them stop you. And those obstacles are inevitable. You and I both know that, right? Like virtual assistant staffing agency is great, but I can almost guarantee there's going to be other obstacles. I mean, I, I, it's inevitable, but if I have the drive to get around them, absolutely. But I think to get around those obstacles and to actually continue to bring money in the door, you got to have that skill. And I think skill is something that people, people think you just have to work hard and you're going to, and you're going to do great things, right? My dad works hard. My grandpa works hard. My whole family works hard. I have friends that work hard. Are they their own definition of success? Maybe, but are they millionaires or billionaires? No. So working hard does not make you a millionaire or a billionaire. You have to have skill. You have to have strategy. You have to know what you're doing. You have to know when to do it. You have to know when to not deploy different things. And that's when it comes into these obstacles of like, how are you going to actually get around this obstacle? You can push through it through drive, but you have to have the skill to actually know what to do. Right. And then luck. I think luck is huge. And people think that luck doesn't play an important factor, but think about it this way. I got lucky that the virtual assistant we had in the first place sucked. Right. If she was awesome, and if the other one was awesome, virtual assistant staffing agency might not be a thing today. So I'm, I view that as like, I'm, I'm kind of lucky that, that, that she was not very good because then it, it presented this opportunity to me like, hey, we can make this better. But I think other forms of luck is, you know, being at the right place at the right time. Being at a restaurant and someone that's going to invest a million dollars into their business is also at that restaurant. 
being at an event where you meet your business partner. I'm lucky I joined a mastermind when I was when I first started the podcast. Had no reason to join this mastermind other than it looked interesting. I didn't know what I was going to get out of it, but guess what? That was a year ago, and over a year ago, and my business partner I met through that mastermind. We're still partnered today, right? So I think luck, people don't see luck from the surface, but luck in hindsight is always there. You just kind of have to see it. So between those three, drive, skill, and luck, I think those are three very important things to talk about and three very important things to be self-aware of in your entrepreneurial journey. And that's my definition of it. Fantastic. Thank you so much. So that wraps it up, Brady. Morgan, CEO of Virtual Assistant Staffing Agency. We will put the links down below so people can reach out to you. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks, Casey. Appreciate it.